0: there was an article in a paper where a survey was given and they asked, what is the American dream? And this was American paper. And these were the five top answers. One was owning a home. Two was not living paycheck to paycheck. Three was financial security. Four was financial independence. And five was taking care of family financially. Now, none of those things are bad, but I think it's very telling in what the answers and the scenarios that we, they come up with. These are American speaking, and when asked what the American dream is, uh, they speak in financial terms. And we live in a society today where uh, we want nice things, and we want to look successful even if we don't have the money to uh, to really be successful. So Tom J. Stanley said this, and he wrote the book, The Millionaire Next Door. He put, good health, longevity, happiness, a loving family, self-reliance, fine friends. If you have those things, you are a rich man. None of the things that he mentioned really had to do with finances. But things like self-reliance and fine friends really has nothing to do with how much money that you have. So we are a society that goes into debt. Why do we do that? We're going to look at those things today. We're going to look into the Bible, and we're going to discuss that. So the first thing is this. We want to keep up with the Joneses. And who are the Joneses anyway? I mean, why do we want to keep up with them? And why do they have nice stuff all the time? The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught his disciples not to focus on accumulating wealth. Matthew six nineteen twenty four 24 says this. Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus is telling them to focus on heaven more than the luxury things on earth. Of course we're going to buy iPhones and, and we're going to buy cars, and we're going to do all that, but it shouldn't be to make us happy. And it shouldn't cripple us. So much that we have so much debt that we can't give to God's kingdom or to help other people out. Why do we want to go into debt? Why do we feel like we need new things? In the 1970s, we were exposed to 500 ads a day. In 2006, they estimated that we were exposed to about 5,000. Today, those numbers range from anywhere to 4,000 to 10,000, depending on where you live, your career, and how much time you spend online. Most of the time, these ads are to make us think that what we have is not enough. And if we just have this other thing, our life can be better and it can be easier. And we all want that, right? We want life to be a little bit easier. I want an iPhone that is going to cook me lunch. You know, I don't, I don't want to have to do anything. And we'll spend all kinds of money to do that. In 1947, the first commercial microwave oven hit the market and it was $5,000. It was over five feet tall and it weighed 750 pounds. Sometime between 1952 and 55, Japan introduced the first home model priced at $1,295. So back in 1952, 55, that is a lot of money. I'm sure people spent it because they wanted to have the nicest, newest thing. I was watching a documentary on sunglasses and they went out to a factory where sunglasses were made. There were Ralph Lauren sunglasses and and Gucci and other things that they were making and then there was the cheap sunglasses. They were all made in the same factory and they were all almost identical except for the logo that was on the glasses. And we'll spend a lot of money just on that logo. So when people see us, they think, hey, they must be making a lot of money. They must be successful. But we don't want that to consume us in what we believe is successful. In the book Millionaire Next Door, Stanley said they believe, these are millionaires, that they believe that financial independence is more important than a display of high social status. So if you take a millionaires clothing this is all coming from the millionaire next door according to the study millionaires who purchase white color suits in most cases don't ever pay more than a couple of hundred dollars so millionaires spend about a couple hundred bucks on their suits and below five percent of millionaires ever pay more than fourteen hundred for a suit so go figure so like if you're rich that doesn't mean that you're gonna buy a ten thousand dollar suit so and they showed that 1400, the $1,400 suits, who's buying those? Well, people that make about fifty dollars to $60,000, their studies showed that they are the people that are buying those, people that might not be able to afford them. 75% of millionaires never pay more than $199 for a pair of shoes, and 50% pay less than $140. 50% of millionaires pay less than 235 for a watch and only 25 ever pay over $1,125 for a wristwatch. Now cars, I'm gonna show you pictures of cars. If you look at these cars, you see a bunch of different kind of cars. These are luxury cars. You see a really nice truck. You see a, uh, it looks like a, uh, it's a Lamborghini basically with a Batman symbol on it. You would look at those things and think, rich people drive these. They are the people that buy these. But here's the thing. Rich people would more buy what I'm going to show you in the next slide. So they would more buy this car. This is a Dodge Dart. They would buy that. 70% of millionaires never paid more than $29,000 for a new vehicle and only 5% ever paid more than $57,500 for a new vehicle. 1% of millionaires have vehicles that are at least two years old. 12.4% three years old, 6.3% with vehicles at least four years old, 6.6% with vehicles at least five years old, and 12.3% with vehicles that are six years or older. Thomas Stanley, he quotes, and he says, many people who live in expensive homes and drive luxury cars do not actually have much wealth. Then we discover something even odder. Many people who have a great deal of wealth Do not even live in an upscale neighborhood. So, we live in a society today where we think borrowing is the way to go. We want people to look at us and think that we have it all together. And uh, millionaires, for the most part, they don't do that. They don't spend with debt. They spend with cash. So, and why do we do this? Why do we want these things? Well, it could be that it's the way that we're raised. You know, I don't know what kind of home life you had, but it could be that you saw your parents borrow a lot of money, and or your parents just spent cash on everything, and we kind of follow suit with that. I was in New Orleans on a missions trip, and as we were at this guy's house, uh, we were rebuilding his house because Katrina wiped it out. Okay, so, so next door, there's a guy just watching us. It's this guy's next-door neighbor. He's watching us rebuild his next-door neighbor's house. So now I start to get a little bit upset because this guy is middle aged. I notice he doesn't go to work, he just sits on his front porch every day and he's watching us rebuild. His neighbor's house. And I'm thinking, this is your neighbor. His house has fallen apart and you are not even helping him. So one of the missionaries, the guys that was in charge, had a talk with us and he said, hey, well, you're going to see people like this all the time. You're going to see people in this neighborhood. And the neighborhood that we were in had the number one murder rate that year. They said, you're going to see people that they're going to be sitting on their porches and they're not going to work and they're not going to do anything. And he said, but don't judge them because here's the thing. When you graduate high school, one, you know to graduate high school, and two, you know when you graduate high school, you're to get a job or to go to college. He said these people, they don't know that. The reason they don't know that is because of this thing called generational poverty. You see, they have watched their parents stay at home, and they have watched their parents live off the government, and they have watched, and the parents watched their grandparents do that. And because of that, there's this generational poverty. They had a ministry there to break that poverty where they would take people and they would teach them a trade so they could go get a job and they could go make money and not just stay at their house all the time. We are raised in a way sometimes and we follow suit. And, and it might not be your fault. Maybe you were just raised where you thought debt was the way to go and you just borrow money and you get things now. But generational poverty or generational mistakes can be broken. How do you see, how does your kid see you spending money? Uh, you want them to see you spending money in a good way, on good things, because you want them to follow suit with that. In life, we want our kids uh, knowing that spending, we want to spend on what matters. Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9 says this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Take to heart these words that I give you today. And here's the thing. If we love our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, like, it's going to show in what we spend our money on. We're not going to want to get into so much debt that we can't help God's kingdom. Or if we see somebody that needs help, that we can't help them either. And then it says this, repeat them, repeat this to your children. Talk to them about them, about this when you're at home or away, when you lie down or get up. Write them down and tie them around your wrist and wear them as headbands as a reminder. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. And he's talking about talking to your kids about these things. And, and money is one of those things, too. That's sometimes something that we don't, we don't really teach our kids about. But in here it's saying love, the God, love God with all your soul, with all your strength. And to do that means to love him with the money that we make and to teach our kids about that, too. My wife, Courtney, Chia we sponsor Compassion Kids, and uh, she's more involved in that than I am, and, and I'm thankful that she does that. And she does that not so our kids can just feel good about themselves, but because they love God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And when somebody is in need, we can see that need, and because this person's circumstances are different, we can help them. We're not so tied up that we can't. So she, she shows the kids his letters. His pictures, different things, because she wants them to know that here 's a person that God loves and needs help, and, and we 're going to help them. We want to be in a place where we can do that and if you were raised in a way that is different, you can break that by just looking into god 's word, loving him with all your heart, with all your strength, and and challenging uh, the things that you 've been raised to see. Uh, the next thing is, we want to find our happiness in Jesus, not the material things of this world. And a lot of times when we buy things, and I do it too, it is to kind of make us feel better, or it is to make us feel happy, or it is to make things easier. And today, we live in a society where it is easy to make more and to share less. Let's look at Luke 12, and Jesus' warning. He says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. We shouldn't be overly concerned with money or or getting a bunch of stuff. The sin wasn't how the man got his income, but that he hoarded it rather than shared it. And we can, in today's day and age, do that too, but we can do it in a different way. We can be in so much debt that we might want to help, that we, we want to give to God, but we just can't because we have strapped ourselves. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LendingTree.com, banks compete, and you choose the loan that's right for you. When banks compete, you win at LendingTree.com. Right In this commercial, you see a guy that's in, he's just in a lot of debt. He looks happy. He has a lot of things, but you can also see that he's a little bit miserable. He doesn't have any money to spend, and he wants to get out of that debt. And uh, in life, we don't want to be like that guy. Having stuff doesn't make us happy. Having Jesus make us can make us happy. Being able to help others that Jesus loves that we love too can make us happy. Uh, and how do we get out of this trap of debt? Well we need to focus on self-control. Proverbs 2528 says this like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And this is true of self-control in any area, emotional, physical, morally, self-control in any area. And this Proverbs 2528 is talking about the writer is saying This like you're a commander of a city, like you're protecting your people and you have built a wall and you have stored up food and you have stored up water. And then all of a sudden your enemies pierce that wall of defense. And the enemy is now among you. That's how a person who doesn't have self-control, that's what happens to them. By not having self-control, you give control to someone else. And now your emotions are controlled by outside vendors. You look at your life, and you're not in control, especially financially. Your marriage, your relationships, your anxiety level, all because of way back then, we had no self-control. We've allowed there to be a penetration in the walls of our defense system financially. We can't even give to God because of it. Why would we do that? Would we do that to drive a nice car? Would we do that to be a more fashionable person? We wouldn't want to do that. We want control of our lives. We don't want someone else having control. We want God to have control. We don't want vendors having control of us. What would God say about that and how we should approach it? Getting out of debt. That's what he would say, to get out of debt so our defense system can be strong, so we can have peace, so we can have freedom, to focus on the things and the blessings that matter to us the most of this world. And all throughout the Bible, you will see God talk about, and we've discussed some here, of how he doesn't want us in debt. And Here's the thing. Like, I know this is not an easy message, and you're looking at a man that likes to spend money. My wife doesn't. She's a saver. I'm a spender. And if I wouldn't have met her, uh, I would look really nice. I would have nice things, and I would be complete, completely broke and miserable. So I'm in the boat with you. I want to know that. I know this is hard, but I also know that there is freedom. I've been in a lot of debt, and I've been out of debt completely, and I can tell you I'm a lot more happier when I don't have debt. We focus too much sometimes on what people think about us and the things that we have instead of focusing on the kingdom that we can build for God and the legacy that we're going to leave for our family. So my hope for you today at, is that you, or if you're in debt, that you pray to God and you just find a way out of that. and that you look at money as a way to build, God's, to build God's kingdom. So I'm going to pray for you at home. So I thank you for joining us today. Uh, I am so grateful that you tuned in to listen to this. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this day, and we thank you for the blessings that you give us. Father, financially, uh, we don't always see those things. We always want more. But God, we know that you are, are a very giving God by just sending your son to die for us, if that's it, if that's all that we had, Father, that would be